Bryce Cotton, thank you so much for, for joining me. Um, I want to talk about a lot of things. Uh, I want to talk about, you know, you as a Wildcat, the Wildcats, your basketball career. We'll start with the pressing thing. Um, your injury. Could you could you talk us through just what what happened as far as we, we know it was like that contact on that moving screen and then what was like the, the next day? What was, what was the feeling like that you knew that something was up? Um, I mean, it was sore, but I mean, I usually I get kind of quirks that happen with moving screens like that quite often. So I didn't right. seem too alarming at first. Um, that happened on a Wednesday in Brisbane. And then we came back to Perth and we played a, another game on Friday. And it was, you know, sore, but it was, you know, not too sore to where I couldn't play. So I was able to get through that game fine. And then watching television the following day, I feel like a funny twinge in my thigh. And then I just can't really move it. And the pain just gets stronger and stronger um, leading up into the hour. And so they had said, like, I needed to go to the hospital and get it checked out. So that's kind of how things started to quickly escalate. Wow. Because when the news of the injury came out, the first thing I do when injuries that I don't know happen, I, I Google them, I go, you know, quadricep hematoma, then I put MBA just to get a guide. There wasn't really a guide for what this was in basketball terms. What were you, what were you told? Were you told straight up, this is probably going to need surgery and this is probably going to end your season? Or, you know, was there hope from your end? Um, not a lot. So once uh, when we went to the hospital the first night on, sat on a Saturday, we got yeah. an ultrasound. We weren't able to get MRI that night. So, but from what they saw, they saw the hematoma clear as day, which is basically a massive clot of blood. Um, I think that forms outside the vessel. And they said it was around the size of a tennis ball that was like deep inside my leg. Um, but they wanted to get an MRI, uh, MRI to like further examine it um, than what an ultrasound can do. And so the following day, probably five to 10 minutes after I got the uh, MRI, the doc called and was like, we need to get you in for emergency surgery right away. Um, wow. Basically, time is of the essence because the muscle was under so much pressure. And at first, when, you know, we kind of thought it was just the hematoma, it was like, no, like if that was all I had, you know, it would have been probably a quicker recovery. But I had the hematoma on top of, uh, I think it's a vastus lateral or something like that, that muscle. It had like a slight tear in it as well with so much bleeding throughout the entire thigh as well as having the hematoma. So that much pressure building up, they said, um, if my leg was under that intensity for too long, muscle would just die and I'd have permanent damage. Wow. So uh, it's lucky we got the surgery when we did because um, it was a lot more serious than just um, a hematoma. It was so many more underlying factors. Well, I, I saw the vision of you kind of limping out today. So it gives us a pretty decent impression of how bad it is. Um, and so we can tell the sort of pain you're in. What's it like mentally and emotionally um, going through a whole season, especially this season, which has just been so volatile, just so many ups and downs just across the board to go through it all and then to have this happen? You know, how, how does it feel emotionally that this happens and now you have to watch your team go into the finals without you? Yeah, uh, I'd say it was probably most difficult the first couple of days out of the surgery when you're just cooped up in the hospital. That's when all your thoughts kind of never leave you alone. But um, even though this is my first time ever having an injury where I'm basically sidelined for the remainder of the season, 
uh, I am grateful that I was at least able to play 32 out of 36 regular season games. And um, I was able to, you know, help play a part in our team making playoffs again. Um, so I'm very excited with that. But, you know, now it's just a matter of me, I guess, testing my coaching skills and uh, seeing what the guys can do heading into playoffs now. Well, we've already seen a glimpse of what they are without you. And at the risk of kind of diminishing you, they look, they still look pretty good. Um, they, in that, even in that game against Illawarra, I spoke to some of those Hawks guys after the game and, and their sense was still, we beat Perth. So that even without you, there's still that sort of aura around the team. Um, why do you think that is? So even without you, you know, you're the sort of, you're the go-to guy, you're the guy who draws a lot of the attention. Why, is, why are they still so difficult to beat? And why do they still have that? Why, why do teams still have the mentality that, yeah, we still want to beat Perth, even without you? Because Perth is, in my opinion, Perth has had, you know, so much history um, and success throughout this league's history. And even in saying that, like, even when you go off the last decade, like, I'm pretty sure Perth was, you know, with consensus, you could say they were like the team of the decade. So we've just had so much success. And um, anytime you get to beat a team with a history like that, um, it's only right you feel excited. You know, I'd feel the same way beating um, a team like that. Did you feel that way going into the season? Because I spoke with John Mooney about this too, that a lot of people talked you guys down. You know, we didn't think you guys had the talent. When you first got there this season, did you know that, yeah, we'll be just fine? Is that, or, or did you have sort of questions too? Or were you completely confident in the, the team that was built around you? Never have any doubts, because um, uh, if you have doubts, then, you know, there's no reason stepping out on the floor. You, you got to be confident going out to battle with your guys. Um, but uh, definitely was aware of, you know, some of the so-called experts of the NBL. Um, basically, none of them saying we had a chance to make the playoffs with the roster we had. And for us to secure top two, um, you know, very proud of that because, you know, maybe it surprised other people, but it definitely didn't surprise us. You know, we know what we can do and we're a team to the truest sense of the word. Um, but, you know, the, our work is far from done, but um, our, I'm definitely glad that we was able to make our mark uh, so far in the regular season. So I'm one of those experts who didn't think you guys would achieve too much, right? And I'm eating my words, obviously. Um, from, from someone who's been in that organization for so long, and being around Trevor Gleason and the way just everything operates. What is it about, from an X's and O's standpoint, from a basketball standpoint, what is it that just keeps you guys ticking? I know you have the flex offense and just mm -hmm. the, the system is so ingrained in you guys, but it doesn't, a lot of teams have systems. Um, what is it about what, what you guys do and the way you guys do it that makes it so effective so consistently? I think the biggest thing that helped us is just figuring out our team identity early in the season. Um, yeah. You know, when you, Look, I mean, even as Trevin said, you know, you look at look across the board with some of the other teams and, you know, some of the talent that other teams have, um, there might have been areas where we were deficient in it. So we had to figure out our strengths quick and we weren't a team that can, you know, go point for point with other teams that probably have four guys that can go out and get 20, you know, any given night. So our staple needed to be defense. And I think once we figured out you know, we can compete with any team in this league. If we lock in defensively as a team, then we'll have a great chance. And once we figure that out, I feel like that's when we really turn the corner.
Well, then, so that makes me curious about you. When you first came into the league, you were, you weren't a proficient defender, I don't think, compared to what you are right now. What what do you think is the jump that you've made defensively? Is it you just becoming a better team defender? Have you focused on other stuff to be better on that end of the floor? Because I think you've made just a pretty a pretty clear improvement compared to when you started in the league. Um, thank you, first and foremost. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it's it just comes a part of, um, I guess, just growing as a player. And um, uh, the more experience you have out there, the more, um, I guess, pressure situations you're in, the game kind of slows down and you're able to anticipate things better um, from a defensive standpoint. So I think that's helped me a lot. And I think that's, I think that sentiment of being so experienced has also helped you offensively. Do you, has it slowed down a lot for you offensively? Cause it just seems like, you know, exactly where your spots are, exactly where to be, exactly what's coming. Is it that end of the thought for you as well? Um, yeah, I would say like, as my time in the league, um, has gone on like I've received more and more defensive pressure and attention every year and it's almost yeah in a sense it's become easier because a lot of times I'm seeing always you know two guys whether I'm coming off a screen or I'm driving into the paint sometimes even three so um, yeah. when it's numbers like that it's it's not that hard to find the open guy and just pass on the ball. <laughs> and so you've been finding the, the open guy I think um, but also John Mooney has existed on your team and he's a guy who has surprised us all not because we didn't think he'd do well but we just we didn't think he would be this good in the league you know when he first got to Perth did you have an inkling of what he might do because he's in my opinion you and him are one and two in MVP then it took a little bit for us to realize it but I think that's what it is at this point did you know right away that it, that might be the case that he was that good um well I would say just off the simple fact he played in the ACC, um, it's one of the top conferences in the country. And, yeah. you know, he I think he averaged 16 and 12. Those are some serious numbers when you're playing in big time conferences. So I had expectations that he was going to be a good player. He definitely surprised me, though, still with how well he transitioned from day one. Like, I don't feel yeah. John had you know, he needed like seven or eight games to kind of get his feet wet. And then it's like, okay, the game slowed down. Like, no, like since the very one. first, yeah, since the very first game, John has seemed like he's been playing for at least seven, eight years professionally. So um, I thought he was going to be good for sure, but I did not expect his transition to basically almost look non-existent. It just looks like he's been doing it from day one. So that definitely caught me by surprise. Right, it did with all of us. And how, how easy does that make, surely it makes stuff easy for you out there knowing that not only do you have a guy, an out, guy you can outlet the ball to who is just really skilled and is sort of is just extremely reliable but also that if you miss shots you've got a guy there who is going to go clean that up you know what's it like having a guy of that caliber there because you've had really solid guys next to you you know Nick Kay and those sorts of players but I, I think John Mooney is sort of that extra level up how how good is it to have someone like that that you can rely on you can lean on especially if maybe it's not your night I mean, it's tremendous. The things John does, you know, whether he's scoring the ball, you know, scoring 30 or whether it's a game where he has 15 <laughs> or 17 rebounds, um, just the effort that he gives. And obviously he's highly skilled, but he's so smart as well. Like he makes the right plays mm -hmm. defensively. He's a very good passer as well. It's probably underrated. Um, yeah, he just he knows what plays to make and when to make them. So 
the fact that he has such a high IQ mixed with his skill level, it's it's a dream to you know play alongside of him. And considering this is his first year professionally, it's uh, it's probably scary to think you know what he's going to be in a few years time. It's it's absurd. And the, the the conversation started I think a few weeks ago that we should be considering him in MVP talks, right? With, there's always been there's always a list, and we follow that list, and then it's difficult for people to sort of infiltrate it. But he well and truly did that. Um, I think you guys are one and two. If you had to say right now who is who is one and who is two, <laughs> oh man, I'm not too good with those um, <laughs> votes. But um, I like where your head's at. I'll say that. <laughs> the fact that you like me and John, I'll just say I like where your head's at. But um, yeah, um, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I know you can't say much. Um, I, I found it interesting that you you returned here after you you, you opted out in the offseason. Obviously, there was a lot of stuff going on with, with COVID and the, the pay cuts and all that sort of stuff. You came back. Um, I know you had really big money offers on the table to go elsewhere. Um, what is it about Perth that kept you here personally? We know how good they are historically as an organization and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. for you to want to commit here and also commit long term here, um, after being here for a long period of time already, you know, people wouldn't have blamed you if, you know, you wanted a change or wanted to get somewhere maybe in the Euro League or something like that. What kept mm-hmm. you here? Yeah, honestly, I think, um, one, just knowing, like, I never, I never really wanted to leave in the first place, but I just felt like at, at that time, like, it was what was going to be best for me. Um but yeah, when, when my mind changed, I would say the biggest thing that played a huge factor for me was just the family aspect, you know, just having a daughter. Um, she's one and a half now. And with the uncertainty of how COVID had been and all that, like, sure, you know, even when you discuss, like, not knowing when the season was going to happen and things of that sort, that would have been the same thing, I guess, pretty much in any league at that time when we was going through right. all that mess. But having that security of knowing, you know, okay, well, this in the long term, maybe not short term, but the long haul is going to be what's best for me staying in purpose, going to be what's best for my family and my daughter. And, you know, just having her grow where she has at least one side of her family here in this country versus if mm. we went to Europe, you know, we don't have my side of the family or her mom's side of the family. So um, just trying to create stability for her and some sense of security to where um, she can still have a, a very normal life, especially during the uncertain times of COVID. So I, she probably played the biggest part. If you're enjoying this podcast, swipe over and check out the ESPN Australia Podcast Network. We're discussing the best stories on the sports you love with on-the-ground takes and fresh voices covering the names and games you tune in for. You're one of those unique imports who has stayed here and kind of had a family here we don't usually say that from the top level imports nowadays it happened back in the day and that's how we have you know ben simmons and dante Exum and those guys but that's different nowadays when you when you first got here into to perth you were what 24 yeah 24 25 did you ever envision that when, when you first arrived did you ever envision that maybe this might be the place that i'll end up long term what was no, I thought I was going to be here for six weeks and that was it. Um, my agent, my agent had told me, um, 
I had two offers at the time, and that was either to finish the season in um, Russia or to finish the season in Perth. And he told me Perth uh, was second to last on the ladder, I believe, at the time. And they probably wouldn't yep. make playoffs, so you'll be there six weeks, and then you'll have an early off season, and then just basically restart for the following year. So they like, okay, cool. Like I'll, I'll go there because <laughs> I was I was off the European scene, especially with some of the things I experienced out there at that time. And yeah, I just thought it was going to be a pit stop, but I haven't left since I came. So uh, I'm very glad I uh, decided to come out here. Where does that sit with your MBA aspirations? Because everyone has them and, you know, you, you've, you've done your stint there and a lot of people still consider you as, you know, the next, like the MBA and then you're kind of right outside that bubble. But you do have a life here and you do have a family here. Um, how, do you, how do you kind of square those two things of you have that ultimate goal that I assume you still want to do, but there's also this, your fallback is really, really nice as well. Do you, is it still NBA? Like, do you still want to get to the NBA? Um, I think the fact that I've been in the NBA um, already gives me some peace of mind for sure. Um, sure. But I mean, obviously, if a team ever wanted me, of course, I would I would go back. But I'm not looking over my shoulder as much as I used to. Like, if you know, if they want me, fine. But if not, I'm more than happy to be over here. I'm dwelling and I'm thriving. Um, you know, professionally, just as much as I am in my own personal life with my family. So um, I can't complain with where I'm at. Well, so then I'm curious, what, how good is that for you? What's that feeling like Give, having almost, it's, it's not closure. Um, it's almost just like security as a human being, um, knowing that whatever happens, you're in a just an, an awesome situation personally. What's it like to have gone through that shift? Because that's, that's a unique shift to go to. And I think it's a special one to, it's a special mm. little line to, to go past. I think um, I think the biggest thing for me, it's great that I was able to find that shift, but it's because I got my questions answered. Like if I had never played in the NBA and I, if I didn't have some of the games I had in the NBA when I got the opportunity, I'd still be wondering what if or why am I not here? And, you know, yep. throughout those experiences as well as playing um, Denver and Utah for the preseason when I was with Perth mm. a couple seasons back, uh, having those games, it just let me know, like, my talent isn't the issue. It's just a matter of, you know, numbers, games, and just right timing. So that's fine with me. I just always wanted to know, you know, do I have that skill level to play in that type of league? And um, that's enough for me. Even if I never play again, um, I know I had the talent. So that helps me um, focus completely on where I'm at. When you left college i assume and i assume a lot of people feel this way it's kind of nba or bust no one thinks as much of the other side which is you know europe australia those other leagues no one thinks about that as much until it happens and until you start to actually think deeply about it when you're there um how is it for you being comfortable here and knowing that a team is ready to build a team around you um you know what's how kind of gratifying is it knowing that you're in this situation where, you know, Trevor Gleason and, you know, this, this front office will say, all right, we have a Bryce, let's build a team around him. Um, you know, is that, how cool is that feeling relative to the chase f to get on an NBA team? I mean, yeah, it's definitely a very good feeling, especially knowing um, you're in a place where, you know, you're wanted and they want to use you to the best of your abilities. 
Um, but as far as the NBA or bus thing, um, I would say for me, my biggest goal was always making it to the NBA. Um, and I knew that ever since a young kid, like it's such a hard goal to reach. It wasn't important to me whether I played a year, five years or 10 or I stayed a day. Like I just wanted to be able to make the NBA and there was truth to it. So um, the fact that I didn't stay as long as I wanted to, it's not a failure because the goal was always just to get there. And then from there, whatever happens, happens. And um, I guess throughout just continuing my journey, I end up stumbling upon Perth and then I get something that, you know, make me just as happy, if not more. Because like you said, I'm in a place where I have security, where I know they want me and I, a place where I know I want to be as well. So it's a very comforting feeling and uh, I definitely don't take it for granted. And it, I think it was lucky that Perth was the spot that you ended up at. And then you ended up being, you know, the face of the franchise. It's when we speak about them as, you know, historically one of the best, if not the best sporting franchise in Australia. Um, at what point did you know that you were part of the culture? Because the culture is unique. It goes, you know, I, I look back to, you know, Greg Heyer and then, you know, and Damian Martin and those guys. And now this season, it's, it's Jesse Wagstaff continuing, you know, that sort of thing. And then even guys like Jared Bairstow and Kevin White, just continuing that sort of, you know, like these veterans who keep this thing going. I, I and I, I get those, the last two names I mentioned aren't the same as, you know, the, the Wagstaff and the Heyers, but I feel like they have the potential to, to step into that role for you is not that guy you're you're the sort of the top tier talent guy on the team how do you insert yourself into the culture of this team when you're not the Damien Martin but you, you are the the import who who stayed long term is it is it a different approach for you helping this culture move forward um yeah like I, I never I never looked at it as I guess you know, how can I fit into the culture or whatever? Like I've always taken it just one year at a time and I've always just tried to be myself. And I think that's the unique thing. Like when you mentioned Jesse Wagstaff or Greg Heyer or even Damo, Damian Martin, um, mm. all these different guys who have played an integral part in the culture of the Wildcats, they're all uniquely different. And uh, I think just knowing that, that give that gives and gave me comfort that I don't have to try to be anything that I'm not. I just have to be myself. And um, as long as everybody's bought in, bought into the team, then you know you'll find yourself, I guess, a part of the culture just by being you. Because that's the, I guess, that represents the authenticity of um, our organization. No, no two players are the same, but we all mesh together. Meshing together is the key thing. Because as as much as people will say you're the best player in the league, and I think that is pretty undisputed at this point, but to have the best player in the league, but also to have the best, consistently the best role players in the league and the role players who know exactly what they need to do. So this season we've seen, like I said, Bearstow, we've seen Luke Travers do his thing. Todd Blanchfield has come in just seamlessly and done his job and, you know, had a career season. You know, how important are those guys in a franchise? You know, you, you're sort of at the, the top of winning in the NBL currently and, you know, being a top tier guy, how important are those those kind of like the second tier dudes to success, considering how many you've been around and how many excellent ones you've been around. It's, it's very important. And, you know, I think, especially, you know, when you mentioned uh, like Tidy in particular, like he's a guy, mm -hmm. he hasn't played with the Wildcats except for one year, but because we have such a 
a reputation and obviously he's competed against you know our club for years um once you i guess finally step into that wildcats uniform it's almost like you want to be a part of it and you understand like you're playing for something bigger than yourself so it makes it easier for guys to kind of just cast egos aside and just everybody be bought in because the only thing that matters is you know competing the best you can um and with our I guess with our blueprint for the culture we have more times than not, it results in winning. So um, yeah, I think that's probably one thing that works well for us. I've noticed as well, the amount of teams that are trying to emulate what you guys do. You know, the reason the, the Hawks win over you guys last week or this week was so important was they're trying to be like you guys. They have this young Australian core that they're trying to build up. And then they have a Tyler Harvey, who I guess is the Bryce Cotton of that team. To, to be sort of the game changer and the shot maker and that sort of guy. Um, is it sort of humbling knowing that you're part of this and you've been at the forefront of leading this, this sort of franchise that other teams are trying to emulate every single year? Southeast Melbourne Phoenix are trying to do the same thing too. Um, I mean, yeah, I've never, never even thought of it that way. Um, I guess usually throughout the season, you know, I'm usually just so focused on what we need to do. Um, mm don't really pay too much attention to what other teams are trying to build. But um, I mean, if that's true, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. It lets me know that um, I guess I'm leaving my mark um, so far in this league, but um, yeah, usually I just keep my focus on, you know, what we need to do. So you seem, you seem so comfortable and so content and kind of almost filled with pride with where the direction your life has gone to. You're 28, which is still extremely young. And I think a lot of us forget that. Do you, how, how long-term do you see this stint in Perth? I call it a stint as though it's only been a year. It's been four years, right? How, how long do you see this stretching out to? Is it, do you envision yourself retiring here? I know it's a long way away, but it just seems like that's the trajectory. Yeah, um, not sure. Um, like I said, Australia is a lovely place. And um, I mean, honestly, in my mind, you know, if I'm not playing in the NBA, um, I, I can't pick a better place to play than Australia, obviously, if it's always my choice, but um, never know what the future holds, but uh, I definitely wouldn't have anything against it if that happened, that's for sure. Last thing I want to touch on is the Australian citizenship stuff. Um, how frustrating was the whole process? Because I feel like all of us were following it along a little bit and no one really knew how far away or how close it was to getting over the line. But what was, what was the actual process like for you? Did they, did they tell you where they are in the process at all? Or is it awaiting, were you in the dark as much as us? For the most part, I was in the dark just as much as all you guys. Um, Cause it, for the most part, it just seemed like for months, it was just basically, it just needed a stamp of approval, I guess. But Due to COVID and all the different things that were happening with that, I felt there was a big holdup. And some of the people that oversee that, I think they got shifted into different departments when the COVID outbreak was probably at its peak. Um, so, yeah, it was frustrating. But at the same token, there was much, much more important things, I guess, lying ahead that people had to tend to. And, um, yeah, it sucks. It was unfortunate, but it was an honor just for a country to even consider, I guess, wanting me to represent them. And, you know, that's something I never thought of in a million years. You know, I'm not from mm -hmm. here, but yet 
country thought enough of me to possibly want to represent them for the Olympics, um, that still meant a lot. And that's still um, something I definitely cherish. So I'll finish on this. Um, and it's, you're going into an interesting off season where you have to watch your team go through a finals without you. And then you, I assume you're going to get healthy sooner than later and then start preparing. At this point in your career, you know, it's around the age where guys reach their prime. Um, and to, to think that you haven't, you probably are just going into your prime now is kind of absurd. What do you, what do you focus on going into an off season like this? Is it rest? Is it something that you want to work on? Is it, do you work closely with the team to put another team together? How, how do you go into this sort of off season? Um, no, nah, I don't really work with the team. I'm putting teams together. Um, but I would say for me, like the first and foremost thing is just getting the leg healthy again, but I'm always working on different things to um, add to my game. But usually I focus on my strengths primarily though in the off season and um, just add little things here and there. But um, when you've been playing professionally for, I don't even know what year this is for me now, five, six, <laughs> maybe seven, I don't know. But when you've been playing that long, the type of player you are, that's who you are. So I don't try to change who I am or reinvent the wheel. So just make my strength stronger. Would MVP mean a lot to you? Is, uh, you're Again, we spoke about how comfortable you are and you know just how mm -hmm. content you are with your life. Does an MVP this season still mean something to you? If you get it. Yeah, it would still mean something to me um, because at the end of the day, um, I take basketball very serious. I always have since a young kid. And, um, you know, it's always it's always cool to be, I guess, recognized by your peers and, and the guys that you compete against. So if, you know, if I were to get that award, it would definitely be a huge honor. And it's not something I take lightly. Um, especially with as competitive as this league is now and the talented players we have. So um, even though it's not, you know, something I go out and play for, it definitely means a lot uh, whenever I do receive the honor. Well, I'm sure we're going to find out soon. Bryce, thank you so much. Um, get healthy and I guess we'll see you next season. <laughs> yeah, that's the plan. Thanks a lot, man.